Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just change your mind. Here we take that chance for you, and let you know if a show deserves more than just one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be The Last of Us. reviewing a video game again minecraft story mode was bad enough yeah 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 they made a tv show of this one you seem confused for some reason no because the last of us is a video game it comes out on every console that's the rule yeah and then they also made a show like the mortal Kombat movies buffer tv why would they do that don't they know that turning video games into non-video games results in terrible terrible products like i mean just look at tomb raider or the movie you said or i mean the new mortal Kombat's pretty good or any of the resident evil movies or the dead or alive movie or the street fighter movies you want to try your hand at like i don't know uncharted or something or the, something Mar- or the mario relevance. brothers movie that's getting a movie too bud mario brothers already has a movie justice yeah 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 but now it's getting a different movie is it also gonna star a porn star no but it is going to star someone who might be worse than a porn star chris pratt <laughs> Legit no shade against Chris Pratt, but like, come on, man. Really? Chris Pratt is Mario? Ron Jeremy was Mario, right? Like, that's not a thing I'm making up? I don't fucking know. I'm pretty sure Ron Jeremy was in that movie. I know very little about that movie, man. I could be wrong. So you're telling me The Last of Us, a seminal video game that is often considered a masterpiece of storytelling. Yeah. That has been released on every console since the PS3, essentially. Yes. Is now also a TV show. Well, yeah, I literally said that earlier. Interesting. You know, I'm, I'm... I'm tired of the bit. I'm not going to pretend that, like, turning something from video game into movie or TV show actively makes it bad. There's a lot of examples of it being bad. Assassin's Creed, Blood Rain. There's also a fairly, a fair number of recent successes of video games turning into movies and being good. I mean, there's also long-standing things that have existed that started as games that are good. Fucking Pokemon, the anime, was good. I started as a game. The new Sonic movies. Yeah, those are fun. There's another one I had in my brain that I've lost. You got another one in your brain you said? Do you have any fucking idea? No, I don't. My brain... Oh, Cyberpunk. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Witcher, people like that show. Yeah, they did. I mean, it started as a book and then became a show. So, I like... mean, yeah, and Cyberpunk started as a tabletop role-playing game, became a video game, and then uh, became an anime. Not... I don't know if going from tabletop role-playing game to TV show has a better track record than going from video game to TV show. The only tabletop role-playing game... I didn't say it had a better track record. I was saying it also came from a tertiary step away. God, there was another one that was pretty recent that was successful. I've got no idea. It doesn't matter. We're also getting a Fallout show, which... The Last of Us show is making me excited for the Fallout show. Oh, yeah. Why would that be? Is it because you like The Last of Us show? No, it's actually not because I like The Last of Us show. It's because the, like, rundown set design of The Last of Us show is just really vibey with, like, fallout i guess yeah yeah like i've seen it i'm like mm, that could be a fallout thing anyways episode one is entitled when you're lost in the darkness and we start with like a 1960s 1968 okay i was right 1960s yeah you're right i was just giving an exact date interview between the television host and two scientists where mm-hmm. he's kind of just talking with them you seem to take issue with something i've already said no i, I don't have any issues okay i was agreeing your mannerisms sitting over there looked very agitated for some fucking reason I was your hand motion was very aggressive and seemed to be like the same thing you do when you're like no and you drive a point down with your hand like no you're wrong my knee itched okay cool that's fine I'm just saying you looked like you were disagreeing with me <gasps> justice can a man not itch his knee in peace no if you're not entitled to the sweat of your brow you're not entitled to the itch of your knee <laughs> I was just I had an itchy knee <laughs> Cool. You must suffer. You have said nothing wrong so far. Continue. And the first doctor is talking about his biggest worry because he's asked and he's just like, oh, me? My biggest worry is viruses, man. Viruses are scary. Like, they could wipe people out if something like influenza became very virulent and spread quickly. We have a pandemic and it could be horrible. And and because the way people are, they wouldn't, like, take vaccines or wear masks. Or I mean, you say it, obviously joking about COVID, but, like, in the 19... 19- 
N sixty eight. Their like biggest example of that would be as far as pandemics go, though. Spanish flu back in like the nineteen twenties when people did that and did that really well. Oh, I'm I'm aware. This or even then, you could be looking at like I don't know, getting the fucking polio vaccine, which the rates were originally really low, and then Elvis got one live on television and jumped from like two percent, I think, to like eighty five or some shit. Yeah, it's really weird how like so uh, how how responsible for other people's safeties Americans felt a hundred years ago and don't feel today. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, so then the host turns to the other doctor and he's like, what about you? That has to be like your biggest worry too, right? So the second scientist is like, yeah, but viruses aren't really that scary. We can develop vaccines and like there's ways to mitigate their spread. spread. And yeah, like they're not really that scary. And she's like, oh, and the TV host, she's like, oh, really? What scares you then? I thought the TV host was a man. You might be right. I don't it's remember. It's 1960s. I'm probably right. It's 2023 portraying the 1960s. We are both equally likely to be right. Eh, sure, sure. I don't remember. It could be a man. It could be a woman. But the host that goes, well, then what does scare you? And this scientist is like, mushrooms. He's a fun guy, but yeah. And then he goes on to explain about cordyceps and how they affect ants and such, or about the fungal, Sp- fungi. Specifically, he dives into Ophiocordyceps componati floridani. Yeah. Which is the one that everybody's famous, like the one that everybody knows. Yeah. And that's the one that like infects ants and like grows like branches out of the ant's head and then causes the ant to climb up to a high place so a bird will eat it. Yeah. And then like the bird will shit it out and then other ants will get infected. Yeah, that's the one everybody's famous, but like famously knows. Yeah. And then the guy like suggests like, yeah, and it's not unreasonable to think they could do this because they can adapt to, I don't know, the fact that the temperatures on the earth are steadily increasing and they do quite well in warm, damp environments. This dude. be able to spread pretty easily. This dude was talking about global warming before Al Gore. Al Gore invented global warming obviously global warming is a conspiracy this winter which means if this guy was talking about 1968 it supports my theory that al gore is indeed one of the lizard people from the middle of the earth obviously global warming is a conspiracy we had a solid like four or five days this december where the temperatures dropped were effectively below negative 20 degrees fahrenheit nonstop. anyways though after that little interview we get our logo splash screen basically i believe yeah it's the opening titles and then we get into the worst part of the last of us the television show which is it's not bad a very quick thing if you want the quickest summary slash synopsis of this episode possible it is the initial part of the game story game cuts Scenes, except like the first half hour is some stuff they've added on to pad it out mm-hmm. and they've changed a few minor details that we'll probably mention when we get to but do keep in mind neither of us are huge last of us video game fans so i think we should discuss that our like our relationship with last of us as a game okay have you played the last of us the video game i've played it i have not beat it about how many hours did you see you put into the game I want to say like six-ish. I played for about two hours. So neither of us have that much Last of Us time. Yeah. I have, however, watched... I've watched playthroughs of the entire game. I've watched the entire story of the game at least once and a half, twice. Yeah. Uh, Because I watched it when my roommate from like eight years ago played through it. Okay. And then I also watched it because one of our best friends is a streamer and Last of Us is his favorite game. Yeah. So I'm aware of the story and I think the story gets a lot of praise. The story's good. I think the story's very good. I personally have issues with the ending. Yeah. But, Agreed. Same. Uh, yeah, the story is fine. That's the thing that gets the most praise. The gameplay is, for my two hours with it, very uh, not not the greatest, in my opinion. It's not revolutionary in any manner. And no, it's kind of kind of. Mid. I think it fails to take into account the world it has set. The gameplay feels almost in stark obstinance of it. Really, it, like there are a few things that work well with it, but like it really wants to drive on the survival horror like element of the world almost. Yeah, and the gameplay does that with a few mechanics, but most of the time, not really. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's an over-the-shoulder third person that does it mm-hmm. doesn't really help anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all in agreement right there. So, our, our consensus is Last of Us, good story, okay game. Yeah. That said, the first half hour of this episode, which is the first half of this episode, yeah. is essentially the, the story from the game. Except 10 years earlier for some reason. Yeah, it's in 2003 instead of 2013. It's weird. I guess they wanted to set the actual show in present day, even though... I mean, it's... It's not, is it? No. no. They say 20 years later, but I think in the game, it's like 10 years later maybe 20 
I don't know. Well, I don't has, remember. Like in the game, it also has to be at least 14 years later because Ellie was born post-collapse of society. Okay. Like, I don't really know, but like, it is what it is, whatever. So the show opens with Joel, our main character, one of our main characters, and his daughter, Sarah. Yes. They're both getting up, going about their morning routine. Joel, she- played by Pedro Pascal. Yeah. And Sarah, I don't know, because... Nico Parker. There you go. Awesome. And she's like trying to get breakfast fixed, and he's getting ready for work, and she's getting ready for school, and his friend, or I guess brother, maybe? It's his brother. It's Tommy. Tommy. There we go. Is there as well. And Sarah's complaining because they have no pancake mix. And she wanted to make pancakes. This becomes relevant later. Mm-hmm. Then, once they are eating breakfast, which I think it's just like eggs and bacon and whatnot. Yeah, stuff like that. We get a news bulletin over the radio about a, like, virus outbreak in Jakarta. It or went... an uprising. A violent uprising. It's more like there was just an incident in Jakarta, yeah. yeah. And Joel's like, where's Jakarta? Is that in the Middle East somewhere? I thought um, there's Thomas, but either way. It's Indonesia, but yeah. it doesn't really matter. They get out, they, they leave the house. Their older neighbors are sitting outside. The old lady is essentially, like, almost comatose. Yeah. Uh, highly unresponsive, but her son or her husband is feeding her biscuits. Mm-hmm. And he offers Joel and Sarah the rest of the biscuits because he has, like, an entire, like, tray of them. Yeah. And Joel says he's on the Atkins diet, which is a low-carb diet. Not true. And the guy is still trying to talk to him. Joel's in a hurry. He was in a hurry from the get-go. Yeah. And when Tommy showed up, Tommy showed up because they had stuff they needed to do. So Joel's kind of just like, you can tell Sarah all about it when she comes over this afternoon. Yeah. Joel and Tommy are contractors, I, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And they're working on a house or something. They're anyway. doing some contracting job. Yeah. So they drop Sarah off at school. Yeah. Uh, it, before Sarah leaves for school. I mean, I was going to cover it here. Oh, here you go. Yeah, go ahead. You're good. So she's kind of distracted there on school. We don't really know why. We assume it has something to do with the fact that before she left, we saw her go upstairs in her dad's room, take a watch from like by his bedside mm-hmm. and some money and then head to school, yeah. which seemed really sketchy. But after school, she then goes to a repair shop to get the watch fixed and she uses that money to pay for it. And then she heads over to her neighbor's house. When she's at the repair shop, though, the w- wife of the storekeeper, it's like a little small, like it's a Lebanese owned yeah. story. She starts freaking out. There's a cop car that like screams fast outside and she's like, we're closed. Leave, leave. Yeah. And she's like freaking out and speaking Lebanese to her husband. But he's like, I think no, it's I have Arabic, actually. Arabic. Okay. Because something's going on. We don't know yeah. yet. So Sarah goes over to her neighbor's house and she's doing her homework. And the neighbor is baking cookies. Yeah. And offers to have her help her eat some. And she kind of just like shrugs it off and starts perusing through a DVD collection they have. Yep. Asks to borrow something. Uh, the woman agrees. She takes it. And then we have kind of, well, we see the old woman out of shot as we're leaving, like begin to convulse. convulse like have a seizure almost. Yeah. Back home, Joel is given his birthday present, which is the watch that she got fixed. It was a watch that his wife got him. Yeah. But he would never get it fixed. And she's like, yeah, I had to steal money for me to do it, but it's the thought that counts. And after all, I could have kept five bucks, but I didn't. Yeah. And we also, in the scene, we find out that Joel forgot to pick up the cake that he said he would pick up in the morning. Yes. And again... I know, like, you you don't understand right now because you haven't watched the show, and if you have played the game, our emphasis on all these food items is not making sense to you. We promise yeah. it actually matters. So, then the two agree to watch the film she borrowed. She falls asleep, and then Joel seems to be getting kind of tired, but then gets a call, and he has to go pick Tommy up from the county's jail. Yeah, he's in holding for which something. Which is not at all what happens in the game. Like, Tommy shows up there to be like, hey, there's something shit going down and helps out. Yeah, so... So, I... I don't know what this means for Tommy's character in the future, but it I mean, establishes is, something a bit different about it. It's him. all still in like the realm of Tommy as a character because he's in jail because he got in a fight with some guy who... He got in a brawl with a guy at a bar. Yeah, because that guy swung at a waitress. Yeah. Either way, though, Joel goes to bail him out, and we're left with Sarah, who's awoken by explosions and the sound of helicopters, but she's alone in the house, so she goes outside. I don't know if they're like explosions, explosions, or like flares, or... The sound just... of some form of pyro. And then... Bright green lights. Yeah. And so she goes outside. And it should be noted though that the woman that the other guy swung at, the waitress, yeah. he swung at her because she was going she was going mad, convulsing, and like lashing out at him. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's a part to be noted. It doesn't really matter because we're about to get down to the nitty gritty of it anyways. It's the second infected person though in our timeline. I mean, eh. Yeah. So, so the dog from next door shows up. Yeah. Because they had a dog and the dog was seen staring at the old lady as she convulsed. It was kind of doing dog stuff and then sat quietly and watched. It's freaking out. She goes to take the dog back to her neighbors and the dog bolts before it can get inside and so she wanders in and is confronted by the mother of her neighbors yeah the old lady is laying on the floor and like okay she's not laying on the floor so the old lady's on the floor but she's like 
snacking on some human necks. Yeah, and so Sarah bolts out of the house because mm-hmm. when the old woman looks up, we see all these like tendrils hanging out of her mouth. Yeah. And between the tendrils and the fact that she was just eating a human being. Obviously terrified. Sarah bolts out. And she bolts out of the house just as Joel and Tommy show back up. Yep, in Tommy's pickup truck. Or and, Joel's, I don't remember which. And so then the trio scramble into the truck and drive off. Well, I mean, Joel kills the old lady. Yeah. And as they're leaving, one of his neighbors walk out and he's just like, get back in your house. And repeatedly tells her to do that. And and then they tear off. And then this is basically where we pick up from, like, game stuff. This is much more, this is how the game opens. Yeah, this scene is very similar to the game. Like, just all the way up to, like, even the, the old lady and Joel and the pickup truck. I'm pretty sure the game starts, you, you're, you're playing a Sarah. Yeah, you're, like, wandering the house, but then the pickup truck shows up. She yeah. does not really get outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we speed past a place that's burning, and then... They're trying to get it to the highway to get out of town, and then that's backed up. So, uh, they're doing a bunch of different shit. Well, it's not just that, like... Like it gets backed up like their method for getting out of town gets blocked because a plane crashes into the road well i mean that's where they turn around and go somewhere else yeah and then driving through the city a passenger jet crashes down joel and sarah get separated from tommy and they agree to meet by the fucking like dried riverbed or some shit yeah and so joel's carrying sarah because she got hurt and they are stumbling along and they get cornered by an infected mm-hmm. and joel's like trying to figure out how to protect himself and then the infected's head basically explodes yeah because of soldier shows up behind him and he shot the infected yeah and joel's like hey it's it's fine men let us through we're not infected we're fine and then the soldier is given orders to yeah, kill them the soldier hesitates for a while to build suspension yeah and, he, and he calls and he's like i got two people here and he gets radioed back and they're like eliminate them they could yeah. be infected and then tommy shows up and kind of not throws the soldier out of it well tommy doesn't show up right away yeah so when the guy gets the orders he hesitates joel starts running yeah and the he soldier like, opens fire he goes to die and then him and Sarah go tumbling down an incline of an embankment there. And then Tommy Bef- returns and kills the Yeah, soldier. before the soldier can shoot them again, Tommy shows up, kills the guy. And but, then they realize that Sarah got hit in the gut. Yeah. Fatal gut shot. Gut shots are typically fatal, mm-hmm. but even more so when you are like child sized. Yeah. And then we skip forward to 20 years after we watch Joel watch his daughter die in his arms. And we were in like, I think San Antonio, Texas or something. Something I like that, yeah. Don't remember the exact name of the, t- the town. But now we're in Boston. It's 2023 and a child wanders into town like wanders through the edge of the, the fields into yeah. town and is stopped by like a border guard yeah it's a like heavily kind of ra- so it's a ramshackle but heavy defense i would say around the city like, very, area very fallouty yeah and these people are like heavily equipped guards and there's a gate like sign that has welcome graffitied on it and then they rush towards the child as the child collapses we see that the person's brought in in like a wheelchair and we also so kind of get an idea as to how the fact that like oh shit the country's population's fucked it's wiped out yeah so this kid they inject him with something which just kills the kid or yeah no yeah. so they, they like scan them with like advice okay by their neck which results in a very bright red screen mm, yes and then the guard's like hey we're gonna give you some medicine and mm-hmm. bring you some new clothes and your favorite food and then we see them give him an injection to the kid and then the kid dies it's not cut and paste there like it's not clear but then we cut to a spot inside the city and people are just throwing corpses into a fire and joel is one of those people throwing corpses and one and the corpse that he's throwing is the yeah. body of the kid so we have joel in boston taking odd jobs eking yeah. out a living doing what he can to just be alive from there we cut with joel he's meeting with a soldier yeah he's getting his pay yeah the soldier pays him in ration cards and in exchange he hands over pills that are apparently from atlanta yeah we don't really know what the pills do but the soldier is very jittery and yeah the pills are in demand i think it's implied that it's a drug of some sort. Yeah, like, not and like, also the... Not like medicine is a drug, but like a drug, like coke or meth or something. Yeah, or an opioid. Yeah, an opioid is a good call. And then we kind of can tell from like the way this is set up that it's kind of a dictatorship slash fascist state at the moment. It's definitely a military police state. Yeah, which fall into both of those, so... Yeah, so Joel kind of calls out the jittery nature of the soldier, and the soldier is like, yeah, well, the fireflies have been active lately. Yeah. And we don't really get a lot of explanation for what the fireflies are, but they're a rebel group that is like fighting back against the military Fedra. police state yeah against Fedra yeah which is the federal disaster and response agency yeah it's like FEMA if they actually had teeth yeah and then we see Joel at a public hanging where people that tried to sneak in or out of the QZ the quarantine zone the area we saw that could come in from mm-hmm. um, they're being killed because you know it's pretty dangerous to head into an area filled with infection yep and then Joel and a guard kind of eye each other meet up in the back alley and we learn that hey Joel smuggles shit yeah Joel's a smuggler that's what he does that's how he has these 
told yeah, you. Yeah, this Atlanta. is where he's. This is the spot where he's buying pills. Ah, I missed the hanging scene. My bad. Yeah. From there, we go to Tess, who we find scrambling out of a building after it blows up. Yeah, she's and, been beaten. Like clearly, had the shit beaten out of her. Yeah, and this is. Wait, don't we actually get that scene with her getting the shit beat out of her? Kind of. Kind of. I think. So she's sitting like, for interrogation. Yeah, we see like a guy who we later learn is Rob. It's a guy they talk yeah. about in this, and his goons are like, I think we see them like maybe take yeah, give so, one or two hits. So Tess paid Rob for for a battery or yeah. starter. I can't remember which one. A thing a car needs to go. Yeah, and he sold it to someone else. And he's like, I can't just let you go. Your your man terrifies me. Yeah. So Rob's like apologizing to her. Mm-hmm. So I think the basis assumption here is like she found out that the batteries on his old got upset. Assumingly his goons beat her up. Mm-hmm. And then, but he's like, I can't let you go. I'm gonna have to like kill you because if I if I let you go and your man finds out, well, no, he's trying to make amends here because he knows if she doesn't come back, Joel will figure some shit out. Well, he, nobody says Joel. I was that's why I was being vague. Yeah, yeah, but we're about to fucking get there. Yeah, okay. He's not saying I should. I have to kill you. Oh, he. That's definitely the implication here. He's like, I don't know how we can resolve. I this. disagree because I think the implication here is I legitimately don't know how we resolve this because I'm so terrified of him that like if you don't go back, he's gonna try to kill me. If I kill you, he's gonna try to kill me. So my only option here is to let you go. But I also don't want you to be pissed because if you're pissed he'll be pissed and i'll try to kill me I got three options where Joel tries to kill me. I think it was heavily implied that, that he was going to make her disappear. I think it feels like he was trying to grandstand a bit, but failing horribly. Okay. Well, your interpretation of the scene may vary. Anyways, yeah. the Then building, they're interrupted by a big explosion. The building then blows up. Yeah. And she crawls out of the, the explosion, and, and we see a bunch of Federal agents on the street with guns. They're being attacked. There's a sniper picking them off. Yeah, this is a Firefly insurgency. Yeah. They blew up this building. They're, and Tess just, like, surrenders to Fedra, and she's like, well, oh, no, she tries to surrender to Fedra and like a good cop they kick the shit out of her irregardless of the fact that she is already battered bruised and was just caught in an explosion unarmed. yeah 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 like good cops exactly yeah but then she is detained by Fedra yeah and then we see Joel sitting at the radio we, oh he's getting his radio fixed yeah which really just seems to be the cover for trying to pass messages along to other people in throughout the country yep because and- he is talking to the operator about if the operator has heard anything from Tommy at all yeah, it's he, been weeks since he's gotten any update with him. And the operator hasn't heard anything. He's like, you know what the, like, for being honest, Joel, it's been weeks. We haven't heard from Tommy. He's probably dead. Yeah. He was last seen in Denver. And Joel's basically like, fuck you. He's not dead. Yeah. Tommy can't be dead. And then he goes home with the radio. Checks his weapon stash. Drinks some alcohol, pops some pills. Does and, a quick little bit of math work to figure out how far it is to Denver. And then Tess gets home. Yeah. And he's like, the fuck? You look like shit. What and happened she, to you? Yeah, she just tells him about the fucking battery. Thing. Oh no, she she's just like, oh, uh, I was in federal lockup all day. Yeah, but he, she also tells him about the battery. The yeah. important part, the federal lockup, is not the important part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is so, a car battery. I was right. Yes, I, that's why I didn't disagree with you. You said battery. You were right. And then I said starter or a thing that makes car go. Yeah, I thought you were making a joke. I wasn't. I didn't remember. My notes weren't clear yet. Hmm. And Joel's really upset because he needed that battery to go find Tommy. Yep. So they he, decide to go confront Rob. And she's like, well, look, you can't leave here angrily and pissed because if one of his guys sees you leave here angry and pissed he's gonna know that i told you what he did to me and that you're going after him and he's gonna run yeah so instead they like go to like a cantina area and like hang out and drink yeah and this is where we meet marlene for the first time the leader of the fireflies in boston yeah and she's talking with some of her subordinates and they're talking about like the what seemed like random bombings and the girl that they have in their headquarters veronica veronica yeah that's what they call her but it's ellie veronica sure and then marlene Marlene's just like, well, yeah, we've been doing this to, like, divert Fedra's attention. Oh, no. I actually, I love this scene. Like, one of Marlene's seconds in commands is like, we're not, we're not accomplishing anything. We're just randomly attacking and we're not actually making any moves against Fedra. And Marlene's like, no, you idiot. All of the fireflies in the QZ are meeting here. Look at the map and look where we've been attacking. It's everywhere but here. Because we're drawing their attention away from the place where we're all going to be. Yeah, she explains that she's doing this to divert their attention so they can get out of the QZ to take Veronica West and then she shows her like subordinate a message that she got from some other Firefly and the guy seems like oh fuck shit okay I'm cool gonna just, I'm gonna delay this out even as like a grunt level soldier if you don't even if you don't know what your like upper echelons plans are yeah you do know that there's a meeting where your secret organi- organization of freedom fighters is all media in one place it's pretty easy to piece together why you're attacking areas not near that place 
I would think so, but I mean, exposition exists for a reason. Yeah, fair, fair point. This is exposition, but really well done. Marlene's actress nails this. Yeah. So then we see Marlene go to meet up with Veronica, and she hands her a backpack, some stuff, a knife, and unchains her because she was trained up. Well, I guess we, we, we're skipping the first scene where we interact with Veronica, where they come in and, like, make her count and say her name and, like... I was skipping the subordinate bullshit because, like, she talks to Marlene about why she had to do it, so... Yeah, so... I was going to explain that because apparently oh. she's been doing it repeatedly. Go ahead, go ahead. You're good. No, to no, go you're in. fine. I've no. been talking for a bit. You're fine. Go ahead. I'm, I, I was just wondering if we we're skipping that. That's my bad. Yeah, no. So Marlene goes in, unchains her, and is like, hey, I know you've been going through a lot. We've done a lot. And Veronica's just like, yeah, you guys have been injecting me with the shit, checking me. Uh, you got me chained up, trapped in here. You've been making me count backwards. Like, what is all this about? And Marlene's just like, well, I think you know. And it's unclear. They don't like they come don't, out and say it. They don't spill it. it out. But Marlene gives her a backpack. Yeah. And is like, so we're leaving Boston tonight. Yeah. And she then goes on to tell Ellie, Veronica, the stuff that we don't learn yet. But yeah, like, for, for the sake of simplicity, Marlene's telling Veronica, who is actually called Ellie, hey, you have a bite from an infected. You should be infected and dead by now. But you're not. Which means, based on the fact that you've been, you were bitten like weeks ago and are still fine, it would imply that you have an immunity to the cordyceps fungus that is infecting and taking control of humanity. So we're going to a medical facility out west so they can try to synthesize a cure that's yeah. essentially what it what it boils down to yeah uh, we don't at a point in the conversation most of that yeah at a point in the conversation though marlene's like look i've known about you a lot longer than you think i'm the reason why you ended up in the federal military school yeah because you ended up there because i needed you there or whatever because they've captured ellie because she was trying to she snuck out of federal military yeah. school essentially because she was like fuck this shit i'm not gonna be a brainwashed soldier which is but fair after this scene we go back to tess and joel and they are making their way through just a long chain of subway tunnels hidden paths and shit underneath the area in the QZ where they can to wherever the fuck robert's hiding now and when they get there they get to a door that's supposed to open out into the building but something's blocking it yeah and tess's well, original thought i was that... gonna point something oh. out here yeah go ahead because this is where we see one of the first big major glaring differences because they come across a dead person on yep. their way yep and it's one of the dead infected and it's also where we realize hey they're in an area where they are infected or where the infection has spread at least they're not wearing masks and there don't appear to be any spores well that's not too unusual because in the game spores are only really a thing in areas that are have like a heavy concentration yeah. of the cordyceps fungus growing but like i think the infected was like someone that they recognized as something or some shit like it was a person who know. did shit but didn't have a mask either yeah so the big thing is in the last of a show the spores are no longer a thing there's no gas masks yeah supposedly this is so the actors can emote more because so the, you can use that because one of the directors the lead director of the show doesn't like masks was the director for a show called chernobyl where most of the cast spends like 70 percent of the show in masks yeah and he had issues with how hard that made emoting but honestly this change honestly feels like it responds to covid it, it does kind of feel like that it reads like that pretty heavily there's only a couple movies a couple tv shows a couple of things of pop culture media that have acknowledged that covid happened yeah in a way that like actually deals with the consequences yeah. of covid also i mean like if we're looking at like the cutscenes in the last of us not a lot of them happen with masks on because weirdly the cutscenes are f set up like general filmography well that's what i'm saying like even though joel always carries a mask on his belt in the game you really only use it in, in heavily dense spore areas in yeah enclosed areas with, yeah. with high density of spores this honestly feels like a, a like pushback against covid and like masking yeah. just because they didn't want to like quote-unquote traumatize or re-traumatize people with masks mm -hmm. but anyways joel and tess get to an area where there should be a door there's some banter going on back and forth to kind of you know show us that hey they've been doing this together for quite a while mm -hmm. and, and she goes to push open this door and it's not wanting to budge and she assumes that he's like put something in front of it blocked it because he knows that they're upset with him but actually when they push the door open there's a dead body slumped in front of the door blood pulling on the floor and they quickly learn that robert and all of his guys are dead and the car battery he promised them is shit they find the car battery yeah. it's shit they realize that all these people are dead and that the other people that are dead that aren't part of robert's crew are fireflies yes and they're like oh so he stole our money and then try to cheat the fireflies yeah right he's dead like there's they, right yeah. like so then they continue walking through and they come across marlene and one of her subordinates and ellie yeah well i mean they're injured and they start walking towards them and then ellie ambushes them with a knife oh yeah because she's in the room mm -hmm. and joel just disarms her and pulls his gun out it should be noted that via showing not telling in the pre cordyceps apocalypse scene the day 
way before. Yeah, Joel is a veteran. Yeah, we get they, they show us that in multiple ways. Like we see a picture of him in uniform. We, yeah, he there's has, a bumper sticker. Yeah, he's a veteran. He, he fought in Desert Storm. I think so, yeah. And like apparently he's decently badass. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, though. Although I don't know if he'd be decently badass to disarm a small teenager with a knife. Oh, God, no. I mean, he didn't get stabbed at all. So, so yeah. That, that's, that's. I mean, great. it does break the basic tenet of a knife fight, which is never getting a knife fight. So. The only person that wins in the knife fight is the knife. Yeah. So with the Fireflies all being injured and the squadron being fucked up, Marlene's trying to convince Joel and Tess to take Ellie to the meetup because they are way too fucked up to do it. And she's like, you guys are much better at this thing anyways. Even though Fireflies are like this, technically they're a terrorist organization because they're attacking the established yeah. government. Uh, no, no, no. Freedom fighters and terrorists are the same thing depending on which side of the... Yeah. But they don't really travel out into the QZ very often. They don't mm-hmm. have that experience. They, they don't, don't travel... That's not the reason they exist. Yeah, they don't travel out of the quarantine. Whereas Joel and Tess, Tess are smugglers who do this on a like fairly regular, regular basis. basis. Yeah. So Marlene's like, look, you need a car battery. They'll definitely give you one. They'll, hell, we'll even give you provisions. We'll give you a fucking car. Like, we'll full up give you a Fedra vehicle if you get her to this meeting point. Yeah. So Joel is very against it, but Tess is like, come on, do it. I love that Joel, before he even understands anything about Ellie, before he has reason to suspect that yeah. she might be infected or anything, he's like, no, fuck that. Yeah. Like, it's wild because he wants to he wants to find his brother so badly, but he's like, Marley's like dangling car keys in front of him and he's like, no, fuck you. I don't want anything to do with you. Yeah. So they take Ellie back to their safe house and it's just Tess and Joel arguing about whether or not they should do it. Meanwhile, Ellie uncovers a book about like chart-topping pop songs throughout history and quickly deciphers that hey, this is being used as a code to work shit out with Bill and Frank. And, like, pass messages along. Yeah, like, certain top songs from certain eras mean certain things. And she's, she, it, well, it's not that certain songs, it's certain, the era of a yeah, song. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Certain yeah. songs from certain eras mean certain things. Because whenever a song plays across the radio, that song, based on when it was popular, when it top charts, sends a signal that things are either good, bad, there's danger, so on and so forth. Yeah. Based on the era the song is from. And so, Ellie manages to decode most of the decades what what an 80s song means what a 90s songs means i guess 70s song 90s songs 2000s 60s she doesn't know what an 80s song means i think it's 80s. okay and so when joel comes back into the room she's like uh, she mentions an 80s song i think it was a bg song so maybe it was 70s i might have the decades wrong uh, she mentions a bg song i think it's bg's i mean they bicker a bit joel takes like a nap oh yeah that's when, what it is joel yeah. takes a nap and that, and she tells him this song came on while he was sleeping yeah and he looks kind of worried and she's like hmm I figured it out then from your reaction 80s means trouble yeah and then Tess shows up and she's like and let's go yep Tess turns up let's go they sneak out dodging spotlights and stuff they don't add much to it because it's a very annoying part of the game basically where you just sneak out it's like your introduction to sneaking stuff yeah and they're heading towards the old state house that's the goal that's where they're trying to get to but they have to sneak out of the Boston the quarantine zone first I mean they do get in a slight interaction with Fedra though yeah which is important I was getting to that okay so, on their way out, they are caught by a guard. The guard that Joel was bribing earlier with yeah. pills. And he's like, well, I'm going to do this by the book, guys. So, he pulls the thing that checks for infection. infection. And like Joel's like, dude, you could just let us slip. You know what we do. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, I told you you have to keep your head down. Firefly shit going on. Everything's at top security. If I let you go and somebody finds out, that's my ass. So, he's doing his job, trying not yeah. to get in trouble. And, and he scans Joel, scans Tess. And while he's scanning Tess... Well, while he, he, he's getting ready to go scan... And Ellie, and then she pulls her switchblade and just stabs him in the leg. Yeah, and this turns to him with his gun, assault rifle, aimed at Ellie. Yeah. And Joel gets a flashback of Sarah being shot and killed. Yeah. And so tackles him, struggles with him for the gun. And just beats the man to death with his fists. Yeah, and then now he's got an assault rifle. Yep. That's essentially the end of that scene. Uh, Joel murders a man because of his own trauma, and then in his mind blames it on Ellie. Yeah, and then immediately after that test, like, gets Joel's attention and shows him the guard scanner which is saying Ellie's infected and Ellie's just like wait 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 and pulls up her sleeve and shows them a healed bite mark yeah because and anybody like, that's been bitten takes less like less than two days less than a yeah, day to- and she's like it's been there for weeks how could it have healed this much if I'm actually yeah. infected so then some more guards try to start to converge on the location Ellie's begging them to trust her Tess grabs Ellie and rushes off Joel kind of follows along in the days he grabs the guards assault rifle they flee and hole up in like a little room on the edge of the QZ yeah a like fall, a building fall in a fall building, apart. Yeah. yeah. And that's the end of the first episode. I mean, we do cut back 
to the safe house where radio song suddenly starts playing Never Let Me Down Again by Depeche Mode, which is an 80s pop song. Yeah, so it was 80s. Also, that the other show I was thinking of that's a show that's based off of a video game that is highly successful, Castlevania. Oh, okay. That's the one I was thinking of. Also, League of Legends had Arcane, so. So, that's the end of episode one. You want to tackle it first? You want me to? I mean, you can. So, first half of the episode is rather slow and boring, and honestly, they added stuff to pad in that they didn't need to add. I know they were trying to, like, make Joel and Sarah's relationship have more to it, but I think you can shorthand his daughter dying in the first ten minutes. Like, we don't need to know him, his and Sarah's relationship on an intimate level. Yeah. Because we all understand what, what it is to lose family. Like, at most everybody's yeah. lost a grandparent or, or a even just someone important. Yeah. Like, that, it, that type of trauma is a bond people recognize, even without yeah. having to know the actual relationship between people. So, trying to expand that and give us more of Sarah, make Sarah an actual character. Was just unnecessary. Unnecessary. And I think it slows down the show mm-hmm. when the very intro is actually, like the very intro of the game, is a very good media res start. Yeah, the show does, the show like... It has that first scene from 1968 where the doctors are talking and like, that's yeah. fine, I guess. It's it's set up. If I was like making a show or a movie or something, I'd have like had the opening credits playing over that. Like, yeah. Or like had that on a TV. Mm-hmm. Like, something more diegetic than just, hey, here's the history lesson of our show. Yeah, like it felt very forced. And then expanding a scene from the game that's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes at most yeah. into the first half of your first episode, a little much. Now, based on episode two which we haven't reviewed yet yeah there are things i like about episode one more in retrospect okay but it doesn't make that part of the episode better i would agree the back half of the episode is almost one for one with the game yeah and honestly i like i'm not gonna the casting has all all grown on me as we went yeah like by the end of episode two i was like man i fucking love this casting for tess and joel like we we started we started this episode and i was like i've seen a little too much pedro pascal in the last couple years yeah can we like choose somebody else for a little bit like like, I, I mean, I, I he's still a good stand, actor. I mean, I still stand by that. He does a good job in the role. He's a good actor. I have no problem with him, but it's just like, there are other actors. I do like that Ellie seems to be, as far as I'm aware, a new actor on the scene. I have no idea. And she, this is, like, this is a little bit of episode two, I guess, immerses herself in that role very well, and I, I yeah. grow to like her as the actress for that character. In episode one, she just felt snarky, and she had no personality for herself. She felt like her entire personality in episode one was snarky retort. Yeah, but I mean, it was also arguably defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I think episode one is fine. If... And this is why we have a podcast where we watch two episodes. If I had just watched episode one, I'd have probably been like, oh yeah, this is just the game, whatever, and left. Yeah. And like, I would have left. I've been like, sure, cool, whatever. Not like my speed. I'm not like super into shows that like have an action element. Like I'm talking about me being hyped for Fallout, but honestly, if it's got a, like, if it's an action forward show, I'm not going to be too, too super excited about it. What I went out of the Fallout show is a show centered around like- The weird shit of Fallout. The, what, like the day-to-day shit about fallout like what it is to actually live in a post-apocalypse like that is yeah the flavor of fallout that i want and if we don't get that i'm gonna be less excited about the show oh we're definitely not gonna get that. if what we get is a struggle between like post-apocalyptic gangs and oh it's gonna be something much more like that yeah that's gonna be a lot less fun for me but whatever and so because this first episode feels a lot like it's going to be the game the show i'm like ee, don't really need i feel it. you so this is an example where two episodes is probably important although i think for most people that came into the last of us they were already aware of the main premise of the series yeah and they're coming into it with an intention of like enjoying that story again from a new perspective so most people i think watching the show already know what the show's about and are willing to put up with a longer episode one laying out the basis of the story i would agree how about you I mean, basically, I'm with you on all those points. I think I'd be a bit more likely to watch the show just because it does seem a bit action forward, but I think that's really just because we're the way we're starting it, and they might include, like, a tiny bit here and there of, like, well, this is where some action would be in the game, but it's very much parsed down version of the action of the game, basically, to where if they're including anything, it's just, hey, here's this little section. That way they can include a fight or some movement or dynamic action in an episode. That makes sense. To me, though, when making an adaptation, Taking something that is already renowned for being cinematic yeah. and taking that story and just retelling it is less interesting than something like the new Mario movie where the story is less set yeah. and can be adapted in a different way. I get it. For me, like going into this, it wouldn't be something I'd be super interested in. I get I you. I know the story and if they're radically changing it- they You're going to lose a lot of interest. But if they're not radically changing it, it's already been told. Yeah. But uh, whoever would guess that Hollywood would do the easier option of just, oh, there's already a script written. There's 
there's already camera direction as well. Well, in this case, it makes a lot of sense because Druckmann, one of the creators of The Last of Us, yeah. is heavily involved in the show as well. So carrying that over makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think they would do it anyways. Yeah, 100%. Like, they tried it with Doom when they did the yeah. Doom, but Doom's not a very cinematic story. No. Like, why they tried it so hard. Anyways, we should move on to episode two. Yes, which is titled... The Clickers. Yes. Which, so this episode is specifically about a specific type of remote you can buy at a store that you can use to control your life. No, it's not. It's about the super fans of the movie about being able to buy that device to control your life. My Super bad. fans of the movie Click are called Clickers. Is that an actual thing? I don't fucking know, Please but it sounds right. Are there are there Click super fans? Are you a Click super fan? I mean, fan? I think Click is probably one of his best movies. Eight Crazy Nights... I haven't seen it, but... Hey, Crazy Nights is good. Hey, Crazy Nights is really good. I personally really like The Water Boy. Water Boy is one of his best, like, straight comedic films. And then The Longest Yard. I mean, sure, but I mean, The Longest Yard was also good before Adam Sandler was involved. Oh, 100%, but I think... So, I, I mean, I still stand by my turn. I think Click is one of his best movies. The Longest Yard has a very special place in my heart, specifically because of all of the wrestling cameos in that movie. Yeah. Anyways, though, episode two opens up with a woman sitting in a restaurant. We could just speed run this scene. Yeah. Yeah, she's a professor of mycology at the University of Indonesia. She gets picked up by two military officials who take her in to look at a dead body that the has been infected. Patient, like... Zero. Uh, patient X1. because yeah. Patient Zero hasn't been found. Patient Zero got away. Yeah. The, she, this person was bitten by Patient Zero, and then she bit other people, and they managed to imprison all the people she bit, and they killed her, and Patient Zero's in the wind. But we get the professor of mycology, like, looking at a slide yeah. in a lab and being like why are you showing me human cells um paired with cordyceps fungus cordyceps can't live in human bodies i mean that's not what she asked she asked why are you showing me this yeah why are you showing me a, sl- a slide that was prepped for human dna yeah why for, it's well, for prepped wrong subject. and they're like oh because it is a human subject yeah and then she's like what and then she goes and examines the body sees the weird tentacly things freaks out runs out and then they're just like well what can we do about it and she's like nothing they're like well what about a cure no well what can we do well i would like to be able to go home and spend time with my husband and kids and he's like well what can we do to stop and she just says drop bombs yeah so the important thing here is indonesia specifically jakarta yes has one of the largest grain processing plants in the world yeah and that's where this woman was she was a worker at the grain processing plant and that's why in episode one the, the missing pancake mix the biscuits the cookie the cake all of that stuff is important because had they eaten the bread products had they eaten the flour products they may have been infected with the cordyceps because that's how the cordyceps plague the cordyceps apocalypse happened there's a grain yeah. facility in Indonesia that exports something like 23% of all the world's grain. I think it's it's either 17% and change or 23% and change. It's one of those two numbers. My brain's not solid. Yeah. But nearly a, a fifth of all grain product in the world is exported from this facility and that's how the plague happens. And then we get the last of a title card again. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ellie waking up on like a bed of moss and stuff. And then we see that Joel and Tess are already awake. Mm-hmm. And Joel is very cautious of Tess by which I mean he has his newly acquired assault rifle aimed at her. Very cautious of Ellie. He's not aiming his assault rifle at Tess. Nope, it's at Tess. I've changed the entire narrative of the show, as did the writers, to throw off players. It's like they specifically heard me go, why would you tell the same story twice? And they're like, yeah, gotcha, episode two. No, he's aiming it at Ellie, and Tess is like, look, the bite's old. If she was infected... How would she still be alive? Well, I mean, not initially. Joel's very cautious. He's managed to see her arm. They both kind of glance, share like a look about it. Joel and Tess do. And then Tess starts asking Ellie about her relationship with Marlene, why Marlene had her, how Marlene knew she was bitten, how long she was locked up, how they tested her, how long they tested her. Basically just like everything involving Marlene and the fact that she was also, you know, has been bitten. Yeah, and this is where Tess kind of comes to the realization that the entire purpose of Ellie is... cure which is apparently like a thing that the fireflies have been trying repeatedly joel scoffs at the idea because he thinks it's all like rumor and like legend and yeah bullshit literally he has the line you've got to stop talking about this kid like she's got some kind of life in front of her or some shit like that because he thinks she's going to turn yeah she's just gonna die yeah so he's trying to convince tess hey we should also mention at this point that joel's wrist is broken from the fight with the guard fractured yeah yeah hairline fractured joel is just trying to convince tess hey let's just kill her now it's better for her and we can go back to the qz we can leave the 
Z. But Tessa's like, it doesn't matter if she's infected and going to turn. If we can get her to the Fireflies, get her to the Capitol House, we still yeah. get what we need. Like, it doesn't matter for us whether or not she lives or dies in three or four days or two days. Yeah. What matters for us is getting her there before she dies so we can get our shit. Yeah. So Joel and Tess eat some jerky as rations. And then a thing, a fact that I'm sure will delight Josh, Ellie eats a sandwich bread, with bread. She's flour. the first person we see to eat bread that does not turn into an infected. Which I would like point out is like, hey, look, that, that further proves that the flour was the thing. But the, for the beginning of the episode tells us flour was the thing. And honestly, if she's eating a sandwich that was prepared by Marlene at this point, that just implies that there's a safe a safe wheat source yeah yeah safe wheat source like that's all that means really yeah because there's no way 20 years later she's eating bread from before the fall of the cordyceps yeah. but Tess continues to press Ellie to tell them about why she's so important and Ellie's just like well fuck like literally she told me not to tell anyone I'm gonna tell it first but okay whatever there's some doctors out west at a base camp they're searching for a cure to the virus and whatever's happened to her they believe is the key to unlocking that information and Joel's like bullshit heard that before Joel in this episode is like continually just like he looks at them and goes bullshit to everything they say yeah so uh, chess eventually convinces them to continue forward because hey look joel even if it's bullshit if they believe it they'll still give us the fucking vehicle we need to go find tommy yeah it's it's one of those things where like she's like look it doesn't matter if we believe they believe yeah and they'll pay for that but anyways so they, they get on their way they start towards the capitol house and they get to this point where there's a bunch of crumbled buildings yeah and tess is like 10 minutes that way if there wasn't a bunch of rubble is the capitol house because there is a bunch of rubble we got two options the long way or the short way the, yeah. short, the short way is probably certain death so they decided to go the long way yeah we also learned here that like every major city got bombed they did in fact follow the doctor's advice well professor not necessarily doctor yeah but I it's also weird doctor. that they were bombed right like yeah they should have been like firebombed not like mm-hmm. boom boom bombed but eh. we also learn here that ellie is 14 she is an orphan yeah and that she was bitten while exploring a abandoned shopping mall in the quarantine zone that was locked up and like made a no-go because yeah infected things but you know teenagers are gonna teenage like she because the way she was grew up learning in a federal school was like taught that there were infected everywhere out of the qz and so on and so forth but like there's not and that surprises her a lot yeah she also mentions that she's heard some rumors about some that have like their heads split open by mushrooms or other ones that like spew clouds my favorite is she's talking about how like they have their heads split open and they see like bats is what she says which is just foreshadowing for later which i think that's actually like good foreshadowing because yeah she talks about the ones that like spit spores and mm-hmm. joe's like not that i've ever seen and then he then she mentions that one and he doesn't really reply he and Tess kind of have a look yeah so like if you're not if you haven't played the games you have no idea what like that's yeah. go- going forward and then we hear a screech on the distance they all halt for a moment and then they continue on towards the long way which turns out to be a flooded hotel well that the flooded hotel isn't the long way but joel said if we're going the long way yeah it's to check the we need a path. check from the hotel first yeah so they get in this hotel the floor is flooded and ellie like makes jokes and like we learned that she can't swim here she yeah <laughs> and joel's like joel basically makes fun of her because it's actually yep. just like thigh deep water mm. and so once they're like crossing this flooded lobby she goes up to the desk and like rings the bell and like makes some jokes and like builds her as a character like between yeah. this part of this scene and them out on the overpass and like her talking about being 14 and tess being like you got a boyfriend and she's like ooh gross yeah these scenes build this ellie as an individual character from the game Mm -hmm. even though they have the same like details about them they are different characters and i like it so as she's playing around she accidentally knocks over a corpse gets freaked out joel's just like ah it's a corpse and they continue on and they make it back up to an area in the hotel that they need to get to but the hallways collapse yeah and also it should be noted these jokes with the bell are, are literally jokes copy pasted from the game yeah like you can as ellie you can interact with the bell and make these same jokes in the game but there's just a different like in video games when like jokes are seeded as interactives they feel forced almost yeah because as a player as a a video game player especially in like a game like this you're taught to interact with everything that lets you interact with it because if you don't you might miss something vital yeah so when a game like teaches you those things and then you interact with something and it just gives you a joke it sometimes feels like a waste of time it feels like a waste of time but in the show it's an important aspect of character building and i loved it yeah so they get to 
a blockage in their path and Tess climbs through. Yeah, so they climb up 10 floors first, yeah. but yeah. And there's some more banter here. Tess and Joel are tired and Ellie's like, that's not bad. And they're just like, we're old. Try it again when you have our knees. Yeah. Uh, so they get to a blocked part in the hallway. Where the and ceiling has fallen in. Ellie offers to go through and Tess is just like, Tess and Joel both are like, nope, you're important. We're going to sit and Tess through. Yeah, Ellie's like, I'm the smallest. It'd be easiest for me. And Tess is like, yeah, but if you die, we get jack shit. Yeah. So. So Tess goes off and we have Joel and Ellie alone for the first second time, I guess. Yeah. And Ellie's like trying to make some small talk. She's playing with her knife, flipping it. And she asks a few like kind of personal questions like about his watch. She doesn't actually ask a question about the watch. She just goes, your watch doesn't work. I mean, I was fairly certain she mentioned that the very first time she saw it and then asked oh, about it here. Maybe. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably yeah. transposing those scenes. So eventually Joel explains a few things about infected and how long they last. Ellie, she's asking. Yeah. So it's weird because some infected die within a few months yeah but there's other infected that have been around for 20 years so like there's not a real yeah. way to know for sure if i had a guess it has it has to do with like how effectively the cordyceps can convert the biomass of the body into fuel that's just me guessing yeah anyways though ellie's then like is it hard to kill them knowing they were once people and joel's like sometimes and then she's like well about that guard you killed but then tess shows up before we get an answer yeah she comes in through a door that was locked beside them and she's essentially opened up a new route yes like it, this is very video game. This is like so video game. Not like just like Last of Us video game, but like every video game ever. So you yeah. get to a rooftop balcony area and we can see over the edge hundreds of infected writhing around on the ground in this very open walkway, which was apparently their path, but they can't get through there with all the infected. Yeah, and it, it actually just might be thousands of, of infected, actually. I don't know, man. They're, they're withering masses. Yeah. And here Tess kind of gives Ellie a lesson, but also gives the viewer a lesson in that all of those infected down there are connected. They're a hive mind. And the mushrooms that are growing out of the ground in certain places, those cordyceps, if you touch them, they can trigger infected miles away. Because they are all connected by a path underground. Yeah, and I think she like gives a like length that the longest known infection yeah, chain is. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. But, but what this means is that, well, long ways out, we gotta go the short and deadly way. Yep, so we come from this to directly in front of a museum the boston museum actually yeah and the boston museum's entrance is like covered in mushrooms and tendrils and like yeah it looks like straight out of a horror game it's very well done and the door is open yeah so, so joel walks up to it and like hits they, it with the butt of his gun they all pull flashlights too yeah and- well i mean initially before they go inside joel hits the fungus with the butt of his gun it kind of cracks and then he grabs it and crumbles it so it's all dried out so they're not worrying about triggering things and so because it's all dried out like you said tess like tells us that it means it's probably dead yeah because it would be moist if it still had like life yeah like any infection that should be inside the building is probably long gone yeah but like it's half tess like telling us about the world and half the character being like yeah no it's safe it should totally be safe it's it's safe so Tess pulls out a gun and a flashlight. Joel pulls out a gun. I think he just... Well, attaches a flashlight to his gun. Yeah. Which we also see during this part that he has a flashlight also attached to his bag. Yeah. So there's one on his gun, one on his bag. And then Ellie pulls out a flashlight. Again, asks if she can have a gun because she asked earlier and they said no, obviously. Yeah. The answer is still no, by the way. So they all enter into this museum and they're going slowly. And Ellie kind of like goes off the course a little bit. Yeah. And turns a corner and there's a dead body. Like, And she freaks out. Yeah. And that draws... Tess. And Joel over because they're like, holy shit, is there? infected but it's a dead person mm-hmm. and it's his chest and stomach have been like clawed open yeah and she's like i've never seen an infected do that what what happened and tess is like maybe he was injured before he, he got, in here. got in here because like maybe he crawled in the door was open and then they hear a creak and joel immediately shushes everyone and he's like we're not just being quiet anymore we are silent now no noise at all and then ellie goes to speak and he's like yeah so they he makes a hand motion to quiet yeah we both made the hand motion and then realized this, this is an audio, audio format yep this is an audio medium that's not gonna help anybody so they start climbing up the staircase to the roof of the museum or to the attic of the museum and at one point ellie trips yes and she steps on crunchy little mushroom stuff yeah it makes a loud noise joel freaks out starts like panning around but nothing he, happens he's kind of starting to relax he's we, he was talking earlier he's like talking about if what i think is here is here you would hear it before we saw it yeah um and you would know if you heard it 
And so, like, because nothing's responding to the sounds, he's, like, starting to calm down. And then, as they're climbing the stairs, an entire part of the ceiling falls down and blocks their yeah. ex- blocks their retreat. So now they have no option but to go forward. And it draws the attention of the clicker. Yeah, which you can immediately hear because it, like, starts making clicking noises, which is why it has its name. Because it uses clicking to, to yeah. echolocate, but not, like, actual true echolocation. Because otherwise it would see the shapes. Honestly, it's clicking doesn't make sense. It just has a really good hearing. Yeah, it's clicking doesn't really do anything except maybe to let others of its colony know where they yeah. that has to be the reason they click because it's the only reason it's the only thing that makes sense they only attack you or come after you if you make sound mm-hmm. so they aren't echolocating so much as locating by sound yes and these are the ones that have their heads entirely split open by mushrooms yep so they're trying to sneak past it and stuff and joel's urging everyone to be silent but as the clicker hobbles and stumbles nearer and nearer to them and then another clicker comes through another doorway mm-hmm. so ellie now- gasps because that's fucking scary which draws its attention yep and so joel starts fighting the first one and everybody... shoots at it several times and misses which is so fucking nice to see it's nice to see a hero actually fucking fell i like the idea that joel well proficient badass it's out of fucking practice had not used an assault weapon in a very long time yeah very nice. So there's a struggle. Ellie and Tess and Joel all get separated. Joel gets disarmed by a clicker. And then the other one ends up splitting Tess and Ellie up. And there's a bunch of tension building here. Yeah. But eventually, Ellie and Joel kill one of the clickers. Yeah. Uh, and then Tess kills the other one. With an axe. Brutally. It's nice. Yeah. Like, it's it's bearing down on Joel and Ellie after they just finished off the first clicker. And then she, from nowhere, axes it in the head. Mm. Honestly, that's the most annoying part of the show so far. Yeah. Is so- they've used that thing three times yeah already and a character off screen yeah. saves jewel so then they're all kind of checking up on each other and tess is like oh i have a twisted ankle and ellie's like well i got bit but if it was gonna be one of us i mean at least it's the person who's immune right yeah and then there's an ominous shot of tess looking kind of concerned yeah because spoilers but also if you played the game not spoilers in this giant fight tess gets bit yeah also it wouldn't be too long before we got there because they climb outside a window ellie crosses Joel tries to help Tess. Tess seems irritated, sends him across. Yeah, so when he says across, he means there's a board yeah. from the museum to the roof of another building. And Ellie's like, she climbs to the window and Joel's like, I know it's it's scary. And Ellie goes, scary was what we just encountered. This is just wood. And she like walks across it, yeah. no problem. And then when Joel catches up to her on the other side, she's staring at a rooftop view of a ruined Boston. She's like, yeah, but this is kind of beautiful though. Yeah, she, he's like, it's dangerous out here. And she's like, yeah, but the danger like is kind of worth it for a view like this. Right? And then Tess comes hobbling past them quickly like come on let's fucking go so they get to where they're supposed to be going which is the state house yeah but there's like no one outside the vehicle out front seems empty so joel kind of like approaches by himself he has tess and ellie hide behind a car yep and what he's noticing is a bunch of dead bodies on the ground yeah no infected anywhere but a bunch of dead people and then ellie and tess show up like approach yeah and ellie notices blood leading inside the state house and tess is like what the fuck happened here and ellie's like i think they went inside because the blood leads in ellie goes in and then tess hurries inside and there's corpses all scattered about oh yeah and ellie's like was it infected and joe goes no one of their members got sick and they fucking brought him back here to help him and there's no survivors now they killed they all killed each other the healthy people killed the sick people the sick people killed the healthy people Mm -hmm. everybody dead and we just see tess frantically tearing through their supplies and joe's like that's it we're going like we're going home i just like no they gotta have something she's like trying to get the radio to work looking for a map anything to figure out what i need and joe's like no we're going home this is it we try Tried, that's it. And Tess goes, I have no home. I can't go back. I'm staying. And this is when it clicks for Ellie. She's like, oh, she's infected. She got yeah. bit. So Tess shows them that she's bitten and Joel is like broken. He's like horrified, terrified, sad all at the same time. Yeah, because earlier in the scene when Ellie and Joel were sitting in that hallway and Tess was trying to find a route for them, one of the questions Ellie asked Joel was, are him and Tess together? And he says, not like that. Yeah. But Tess in the scene goes, I know you never felt the way I felt about you, but but that's not my home. Boston isn't my home. I can't go back. And like... Well, I mean, that's not where she says it. She says it up here in a moment. Yeah, essentially. I mean, she uses it as a reason to get Joel to take Ellie. So I, I argue uh, it's yeah. more important there. Yeah. So like, it's this leveraging of Joel's emotions. He's like, yeah, he is a, an emotionally damaged person. He doesn't mm-hmm. have that capacity to love in him anymore. Yeah. Because he had, he held his dying daughter. He lost his wife. His entire world literally came crumbling down. Literally. And the only person 
person he actually act- actively does care about is missing, presumed dead at this point. Mm-hmm. But he does in some way care about Tess, and like that that fact is hurting him more because he let her become close to him, and so he's trying to tell he's trying to like back out of this, and like he's like, no, she's not my problem. And yeah. t- Tess is like, no, you're gonna do it for me, and she like forces this onto him because he never returned her emotions. She's saying the least you can do now for me is finish what I I started, finish what I wanted. That is that a fair interpretation? I mean, yeah, sure. I was gonna say they reinforce here that like before you started all of that. Sorry. I was gonna be like, and then Tess has Ellie pull off her bandage so she can reinforce that, hey, Ellie is special because look at all the gross infection on mine. Recent bite and Ellie's is fine. Yeah, that's fair, yeah. And then while they're doing that, Tess is trying to urge and beg Joel to continue to take Ellie to see Bill and Frank, the people from the radio. Mm-hmm. And then as they're talking, one of the infected like makes a noise. Joel kills it, accidentally triggers a cordyceps tentacles. But as like Tess was telling Joel, hey, especially here because she's like, you're going to have to go. Like you you two are gonna have to go. I'll stay here and hold them back because mm-hmm. a bunch of people are coming. And she starts like tipping over barrels of oil. Yeah, and I mean, spills a container of hand grenades. Mm-hmm. And but this is the spot where she's like, I don't. I've never asked anything of you. Is what she says. Yeah, I never asked you to feel the way I felt about you. Mm-hmm. But I'm asking you take her to Bill and Frank's and go. Yeah, get out of here. Because when he tripped that tendril, that, that cordyceps tendril, there was a screech outside. Yeah. He went and looked outside. She asked how many. He says all of them. And he's yeah. like, we got a couple minutes, and that's when all of this goes yes. down. Yeah, because he acts like he's going to stay, so Tess is like, no, fucking go. Do this. So Tess pulls out all kinds of gasoline, grenades. The cordyceps zombies get in, and it seems like Tess is going to fail to stop them because her lighter's not catching. But she does eventually light it. Entire state house goes boom, and we see Joel and Ellie looking back at it. There is an important line from Tess here that that's important, at least in the game. Save who you can save? Yeah, save who you can save. Yeah, it's a big motivational piece, which is what makes Joel more compassionate other people that you come across throughout the game because it is a this is a it's road also trip re- across it's apocalyptic also, america it's also the reason why the ending is such a knife twisting ending. yes i agree like because it's the last of us both games do a really good job of like defining these morals and defining these ideas and then abandoning them in the last stretch yeah and it's frustrating but yeah that uh, is the end of episode two thus the end of our reviewing of the episodes what uh, are your thoughts i like episode two a lot i'm sad tess doesn't get more screen time she her actress was a perfect cast her actress was very good yeah she embodies that role so well ellie grows on me as a character she has successfully defined herself as a character separate from the video game ellie in my mind which is always good and done it in a very good way pedro pascal's joel is very much joel from the video game so far for me yeah um which less of a good thing but ellie is shiny her actress very good job pedro is growing on me but anyways episode two is very good i enjoy it a lot more than episode one i know it's yeah. got, it's still very much one-to-one-ing the game in a lot of ways yeah but the fight scenes could have been more fighty or like more video game fight scenes and they weren't they were more like what you expect out of like a horror show or a movie or like yeah the struggle is there it's not like it's like for most gamers, the opening fight with those, the opening fight, the fight with these two first clickers is super simplistic. It, yeah, it's like the first time you experience it, it is jarring. If you've never experienced The Last of Us in any way before, clickers are a new thing to you, like that's jarring. But the fight itself is no more complicated than most early game fights in video games. Yeah. So it's eh, eh. Like Tess gets bit because she gets in a hand struggle with one and you can't stop that from happening. Like it's cutscene stuff. Yeah. But the fight itself not very hard but they actually make this fight very intense they drum up the atmosphere of it and then ellie's immediate like no this isn't scary because that other thing was much worse i just really like this ellie character and i I know it's she's very similar to the video game yeah very good show very good episode how about you i mean you did that thing you do where you kind of just talk about all the good points of it so i don't know what i'm supposed to say anymore i'm sorry i mean this the clickers looked good i guess that's the thing i'm allowed to say I, i guess you told me to give you my take. What do you want? You want me to like hedge my take? I mean, I always do when I go first. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, but it's a, fine. The sound design, you have that uh, like. Yeah, I mean, the sound design's all right. I mean, from a point, I I, it sound- does some annoying cliched stuff like with the introduction for the tense piano thing when they're walking into the hotel. Oh, we need an excuse to have this. What if it was an animal skittering across this untuned piano? So it's not an animal skittering across. It's a frog 
hopping, hopping across yes. the... Yes. No, it's adorable as a concept, but, like, it is cliched of, why is this sound here? How can we make the sound diegetic? Oh. So, I love the diegeticness of this sound in particular, though, because, it, like... I this... don't, because if the sound was more diegetic, it would be more out of tune. Some of those notes would be muted, because the piano's also partially submerged. Yeah. I just really liked it Also, because... I guarantee you, like, half those notes wouldn't play, because those hammers are also definitely broken. I just really like that part of the scene, because... I don't. Of, uh, it's not like it's trying to drum up tension. Like, yes, it's tension no, notes. No, the chords are meant to draw up tension, because we get those chords yeah. well before we transition into it, and then that's used as a light moment to break it. That way it's like, oh no, we just wanted to fuck with you for a moment. I thought it was cute. Yeah, no, get, it's adorable as a concept and a view, but I'm saying, like, I dislike the, what if we played tense chords leading into a scene, and then immediately be like, nah, it's annoying. Okay, well, fair enough. I was And then your excuse being for it is a diegetic of, oh, it was just a silly animal, is also annoying. Don't get me wrong, a frog on a piano causing notes to play is adorable. <laughs> I don't need that in my show. I, when I mentioned the sound design, I was specifically thinking... Oh, no, the sound they use for the clickers, the sound they use for the ambience of the sound. The, the museum. In the in city, general, the like, museum, the sound of stepping on both wet and dry, uh, except like hive basics is what I'm going to call it. All of those are good sound designs, but like... There are issues as well that uh, slightly annoy me, but like, the show's good. Okay, so for me, the point in which Ellie became a full-fledged character, separate from her video game persona, was that walk on the overpass. Yeah. Did you have a moment for you where it just clicked that this was, while the same character, a different version? No. No? No, because it's the same character. Yes, but... Something about this actor's portrayal of the character has more depth than the video game. And I hate saying that because I know I'm going to get hate for that because the video game is very loved and people love the act- the characters. But I think the actors have better facial emoting than PS3 graphics, if that's what you mean. No, I, it's deeper than the, the facial emotion. Emoting. No, it's not. And also, it's been updated to PS5 graphics. Yeah, I mean, cool. I haven't watched that one, so. Okay, fair enough. So, would you watch more of The Last of Us? Only because I saw an article this morning or a post this morning somewhere that was like, what other TV show episodes are as perfect as the last of us episode three and that title alone makes me want to watch episode three because episode two was good okay based off episode one and two i'd probably be like it's a good show you should watch it not you justice but you the uh, in general you like if this is something you're interested in or it sounds like something that would intrigue you you should watch it but for me it would be like uh yeah i get it i just am not going to be interested in spending time doing that yeah but that single article going off the basis that episode two was very good and episode one was fine makes me go how can episode three be perfect what makes episode three a perfect tv show episode i need to know so i would watch more based off of that gotcha which is cheating i guess yeah it is how about you would you watch more based on these first two episodes based on these first two episodes no not really that's right Uh, it's so similar to the game i've watched the game be played it does a few things to add to it but i've never wanted to replay the last of us by which replay i mean i've never wanted to finish the last of us because i've seen the story so i don't care about playing the game i don't care about re-watching the story of the game and if I just want to know the things they added I'll wait till they finish and just be like what are the differences between the Last of Us game and the Last of Us show? Because that's 100% gonna be like 16 YouTube videos. Yeah. But like, Or I can find a list on Wikipedia. For me, 100%, The Last of Us is a game that like, knowing the story really like, takes the wind out of the cells of wanting to play the game. Well, that's because, especially for me, it's a game that I don't care about the gameplay at all. Yeah, because the game is just a mechanism to relay the story. It is the thing getting between my cutscenes. And Druckmann has been very, like, transparent with that. He's very much always wanted to write for um, yeah. film and TV versus video games, but... And now he's writing for TV and film. Yeah, so... Because of video games. Small, Congratulations to you, man. Small applause for Druckmann. He's getting his dream come true. Anyways, um, though. But based on the fact that people are calling episode three perfect television, yeah. does that intrigue you enough to make you watch another episode? No, not really. Oh, okay. People <laughs> called Game of Thrones perfect television. They're this, that. Game of thrones was perfect television game of thrones was the singular best i don't think it was perfect television i think it was a good show people Fantasy called game of television. thrones perfect television people called breaking bad perfect television people have called better call saul perfect television okay so i don't want to get into better call saul i haven't touched it but apparently better call saul is legitimately like perfect tv cool i don't care my point is is it popular is it really in the eye of the media cool you're gonna have articles calling it perfect see I because agree- it lets you get more clicks I would agree with you, but the hype around Better Whole Soul is more hype from individual people experiencing it than it is from media outlets amping it up. Okay, cool. But we're not talking about Better Whole Soul. We're talking about trends in media and the way they portray things. Better Whole Soul happens to be apparently an accurate one that you can't actually speak to being accurate. Fair enough. So, media Ga- trends. Game of Thrones was a near-perfect fantasy show. Shh. 
the ending really fucked it up. It's a I nine point five out of ten. The show. I would not get it. I wouldn't have given it a nine point five out of ten when before the last season. Eh, well, eat their own. Anyways, while we continue having disagreements on what makes perfect TV, you can contact us and let us know what your takes on what makes perfect TV in a variety of manners. You can do so by emailing us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can tweet us at copilotsreview or hit us up on Hive at the same at copilotsreview. Yeah. Or you can visit our Discord, which you can find a link to on our website, copilotsreview.simplecast.com, which has a link to, as I said, our Discord, but also our email, our Twitter, our Patreon, and our YouTube. Otherwise, thanks for flying with us, and we'll see you on the next flight when we once again, I guess we don't spoil episodes, never mind. Yeah, no. And we'll see you on the next flight. Please, fly again soon. Thank you.